everyone, and welcome to the Thriving Minds podcast. I'm Professor Selena Bartlett, and I'm joined today by with Vicky Simos. And she is the owner and director of Thello Active Therapy, which she'll share a bit about today, I'm sure. And she is a proponent of martial arts and mental health. She's also the author of a book called The Boxer Within, which we get to talk about today. So welcome, Vicky. Would you like to tell the audience a little bit about yourself? Thank you for the um, introduction and thanks for having me on my show. As um, Dr. Bartlett said, my name is Vicky Simos. I'm the author of The Boxer Within and my business, uh, Fellow Active Therapy, basically uses martial arts as a combination or alternative to mainstream therapy. And um, which is kind of how we connected, really. So I was wondering if you would like to share with the audience a little bit about your story or backstory, like how did you come to this um, recognition? Well, if I, if I go back, back, back enough, it was um, I had a few problems growing up myself, mental health issues, and back then, as you can imagine, nothing was really labelled. And I grew up in a country town. Um, my background is Greek, so we were surrounded by Greeks and these things were never discussed. Uh, moving forward, I moved to the city of Adelaide. And I, I really realised that I had problems, like I, I felt it inside of me. And I went to see a doctor and not, not, not to elaborate too much on that, but basically the doctor turned around and said, there's nothing wrong with you, you're fine. And, of course, it wasn't until a decade later, because when someone's telling you you're fine, whatever, you, you know, as for anyone who's had mental health issues and someone tells you that, you sort of feel embarrassed and depleted and you don't want to do anything about it. So moving forward another decade, I actually ended up training, because I'm a personal trainer by trade as well, a couple of psychologists. So I think at that point the universe was telling me something and then through seeking therapy and training in the martial arts, I found this correlation, if you will, that one actually complemented the other, which is where the idea of the business came out of. And um, it's really exciting um, because I think martial arts is probably one of the one of the best examples of training the prefrontal cortex that we talk about the front part of the brain for executive function. Yes. And I guess I, I guess what would be nice for the audience to hear about right now is like, do you want to just describe some of the things that you started to notice for yourself when you're first starting out in that space of doing martial arts yourself? That's a really good question. Um, I suppose I should go back to my very unorthodox trainer, and we still talk today. Um, he was very unlike any of the trainers that I had, and he could see the potential in you, even when you didn't see it yourself, and that's something I picked up from him. But, but to answer your question, I kind of made the decision myself that I didn't want to be the way I was. So I was really angry, carrying a lot around a lot of anger. And I thought, no, I need to be better than this, especially if I'm going to do what I'm going to do. So I've kind of made that decision myself. And I think through training them with the martial arts, as I got better and the research sort of backs this, I realised that I'm good at something. I am very capable, which changes the way you sort of think. And then you have other people that sort of see you in the same way or start to believe in you. So it's this whole thing of changing your mindset. Well, if they're believing in me, if I'm actually getting good at this, there must be something good about me. And that's, like I think, where it kind of developed. Yeah, and would you would you be able to share or I know it's hard to remember sometimes, especially when you're in the beginning phases of doing something new, 
can you describe some of the initial phases of the journey? Because I think that's the bit where most people trip up is the, is continuing when it's actually quite hard when you when you're not like you're describing what you feel now, but the hardest part really for most people is getting started, but staying when the yes. pain is the most and you're well, I've got a, you can't do it. I've got a great example for that one. Um, I started, so we had, I used to have an Olympic coach that used to come to the gym and we train and he, and it was a really specialized training and only a few would be select. And I was one of those few. So it was like, oh my God, this person actually thinks I'm kind of good enough to be in his, his class. Even then it was like, he thinks I'm good enough. At that point, even I didn't think I was good enough. Anyway, I, I took one of his classes and at the time at my gym, there was only one alpha female, not that I wanted to be the alpha female, but then that meant there was two of us. So she had a lot more experience than I did. And then they teamed us up. And, and I'm not kidding, for at least, I don't know, one, two months, I was getting pulverised over those sessions. I remember it was on a Wednesday night and I'd still be going back, but there was one point where I went, I can't do this. So I told my trainer, which didn't go down very well, there were tears, there were, you know, he tries to, and he's no expert in the mental health or psychology or stuff like that, but he tries to build you up in a non-psychological way, like in terms of, so you're going to give up, is that what you're doing? And that doesn't help a person. And that actually had the negative effect although he's learned and he's great and we're friends, so I don't want anyone to think otherwise. Um, but, yeah, it was in that moment it was like, why are you going to give up? You know, I can't believe you're going to give up. And it was like at that point where I thought I just can't do it. And like I said, there were tears. And then, I don't know, something changed. I thought, well, you know, I'll give it another go. And I just kept going and then I ended up getting better and the punches didn't hurt as much. And I just stuck it out. I mean, I don't know how else to kind of explain it but there was that moment where I went yeah nah I can't do this but that was probably obviously more about me than anyone else well I think it's about you know as we share on this podcast a lot it's just about the brain and everyone's yeah uh, we, when we start to reflect on people's brain health and and what's driving the reason behind the um, things that might make it harder for some to push through than others I think that's the key here is for people to start thinking about maybe the brain and not themselves because we've tied yeah. their brain for so long so that brings me to um, the next question which is so how did you get involved in understanding neuroscience and brain health behind as you were developing this kind of new way of seeing that you could really change your brain really and then yourself well, I've always had an interest in uh, mental health and behaviour, especially even a, as a 10-year-old. You know, I'd have my brother and sister coming up to me and going, oh, what do you think of this person? What do you think of that person? So I could kind of read people quite easily and I was always interested in why people were the way they were. And I think that solidified when I went to see um, Dr Norman Deutsch speak and explain this whole neuroplasticity and then I figured out, oh, my God, actually what I'm doing and experience through the, through the martial arts is this type of neuroplasticity. So then, of course, started reading books on it, couldn't get enough of it, started listening to lectures, um, jumped on Wise Mind, which I've been on for the last couple of years, and just tried to learn as much as I could because I realised that there was that connection between martial arts and neuroplasticity. 
Yes, and um, which is great. So Norman Doidge's book is The Brain That Changes Itself. So he is a medical journalist yes, um, based in Canada, and he reported on all of the people in the field that have been demonstrating neuroplasticity over decades, and he interviewed them. And the interesting thing about his book, I'm glad that you picked up on it for martial arts, but the interesting thing about his book is that I find most people think it's related to people overcoming stroke or something extreme rather than something even less so where it applies to our life, um, not just to recovering from stroke or some kind of other brain injury, if you know what I mean. Yeah, that's very true. And I think more so Bezel van der Kolk, he probably talks more about the the brain itself and how the body reacts versus the Norman Deutsch, who, like you just said, spoke about strokes and paralysis and things like that. Yeah, so I think... um... The beauty of where we are now is that the we have the brain imaging technology where pe- we can actually show people the changes happening inside the brain for the first time. Um, I'm really curious to think um, that you focused on martial arts, which is really wonderful. And I think many, many people can benefit from that because of the discipline and other things. So that leads me to asking the question, is that what drove you to write the book called The Boxer Within? Well, it was actually on the flip side of that. So the business was actually the catalyst to the book. Um, The book came about, someone suggested, and I'm very much about suggestions. So a psychologist friend of mine said, oh, Vicky, you should write a book about your experiences with martial arts. And I thought, wow, what a great idea. So that's where that sort of um, came to life. And it was a real cathartic process because in the beginning, because I had all this anger, it took quite a few years to write because I was also studying for my degree, but it started with so many pages of, you know, I hate this person, I'm going to write about this person and so forth. And then as the years progressed and whether my brain changed and the way I thought changed, and, of course, I got a lot more confident, I looked at the book, uh, and it's not a very big book, but I wanted to just put the points in there that, that people could relate with, relate to and resonate with rather than, you know, what I was saying earlier about I didn't like this person because it wasn't really about that. It's that it's basically how I went from A to B using the martial arts, using the therapy and getting, you know, to where I am now, basically. Yeah, well, well done for doing that, especially doing it on your own, because most people don't have the same opportunity to find those paths on their own, I guess. And um, I guess you're lucky because you had some mentors. But I think what we discover as we really tap into neuroplasticity through many mechanisms, it doesn't have to be just martial arts. I guess you have these um, aha moments is what I like to call them, where you start to realize just how untapped the brain's potential really is. And then you start to open your mind, become really curious and start to mention and start to kind of engage with lots of material around um, with people doing this extremely. I was wondering if you've, outside the people you've already mentioned, do you have any other mentors that you've met along the way? Well, one of my mentors is my business coach, Coach Christian, on LinkedIn, friends that I've made through my own full-time work, just yeah, everyday people. And when you hear their stories, it's like, how have you gone from there to where you are now? And that's really what, um, I guess, influences me. Like if they can do it, I can do it sort of thing. So the and that's what I hope to be for other people. Sorry. Yeah, that's wonderful. So when we when we talk talk about your book, the reason I love the title of Boxer Within, because often for many people, I mean, people are used to the hearing stories, but they don't understand just how far someone's had to move 
from something they started with to where they are now. So I like to call it taking the path of the most resistance because often you hear about the path of least resistance around flow, but the path of the most resistance is having to push through those moments when you don't want to at all. And it is like having to compete with yourself in a way, the old self to create the new. And that's why I very much like the title of that book that you wrote. From that book, would you like to tell everyone what the key, a key message would be? That's a really good question. If I had to pick sort of one word, one sentence, it would be to just be your best self. Try and create your best self. And that's even the shirt that I wear today, um, you know, my merchandise, all of that is based around to be your best self. Now that you've become the coach or mentor rather than being the mentee, what are some of the things or techniques you use to get people to engage and stay on the, stay on the track when they too want to stop? Well, with the, I, I should start with I train a different age group. So, and I train mostly boys, and I don't know whether it's a coincidental thing or whether they have more of the mental health issues than, you know, females do. But the ages range from about 6 to 15. And my earliest client, who's the six-year-old, um, the mother, just to give you some context, the mother came to me and basically said that he's got a lot of anger issues, um, I can't go into too much detail, but we're struggling with anger at school with friends, etc. Um, and then once we started training, um, they the parents came back to me and basically said they could see the improvements. There was no more phone calls. Um, the young person was doing really well in school. No calls from you know teachers, etc. So you know whatever we were doing together was clearly working, and. When you start with Little E's, it's a good idea to start with karate because that's the foundation of martial arts in itself. And I also talk about when I'm training these young people um, about resilience and confidence and never give up attitude. And that's sort of how I interact with them. So it's not just about the training. It's the things that I say and how to try and push them through if there's like difficult moments. Yeah. And um, would you say, like, I mean, clearly six is very young and to have anger issues at six means that probably it's coming from a much deeper place from previous generations and stuff. Yeah. Um, in your experience, is it mainly that, is that what you're dealing with or is it mainly, uh, is that the main thing that people come to martial arts for or, you know, what do you think in your experience is driving this in, a, in our modern Western world? Well, it's funny you should ask that because when I first started training, for me, my drive was the anger, but I didn't know it, you know, in retrospect, that's what it was. And with a lot of these young people that I do train, anger is the, the most, I suppose, common. I have other kids that have got mental health issues and, um, you know, also seek different therapies and stuff like that. Again, I can't really go into detail, but the predominant, fact, predominant factor is the anger. And what do you think that's related to, in your opinion? Potentially um, maybe social media uh, as one of the things I could think of. Because when I was growing up, I mean, my issues were through childhood living in a country town. So they were more environmental as opposed to um, what we're dealing with now, the technology, you can't sort of run away with that. I mean, there could be those other factors of school as well, struggling in school, family, home. It's hard to put an exact on it. 
So I don't want to speak to you late to say it's more, it's just one thing. Can I put out there um, the idea that we're meant to be really physically active and the technology's meant that we've become more sedentary, like across, and, and technology's been used like as a babysitter as well. So I think that depending on the nature of the people, some people might need to be incredibly physically active. And once upon a time, we could run around in the park and everything. And mostly that's being taken away. Would you like to speak to that a little bit in your experience? That, that's probably definitely true, I'd say. Not probably, definitely true. Um, obviously, things have changed over the last couple of decades. I mean, when I was growing up and potentially when you were growing up, you know, you jump on your bike and you wouldn't get home till six o'clock that night for dinner. Whereas now it's like, you know, we've got our Netflix. There's every sort of downloadable TV show you can imagine you can get or stations, which I've got none of. And, of course, you know, your PS4s and stuff like that, Xboxes. So, you know, I think now um, kids are being uh, are less resilient, even, you know, grown adults because they've got everything in front of them and there's no push for this physical activity like it was when I was growing up in the country and even in the city. But then I think for me, by that stage, I wanted to re-engage in that. Whereas, you know, kids that have grown up now, unless they are forced, when I say forced, um, shown that, uh, that there are other things out there other than technology, you know, training, whatever physical activity, other things, then that's where the difference might be made. But if you're not one of those people or parent or whoever, teacher, educator that doesn't promote physical activity, then, you know, the child or the person's just going to do what they've always known. Yeah, and for, and for people that aren't familiar with martial arts, there's a lot of discipline involved, isn't there? Do you want to there speak, is. Do you want to speak to that a little bit? Because from a neuroscience perspective, I know how that could train and studies have shown it trains the ability for us to say no to ourselves. It certainly does. And in my experience, there was multiple times where I wanted to say no, but obviously we couldn't. I mean, from that perspective, it starts, I guess, with the person that's training you and how much you want it as well. You know, I, I don't, don't get me wrong. Um, that's a good place to start. And I've had kids that I even trained with that just a few weeks ago. One of them was saying, no, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. So it's like, well, how, how am I going to get him to engage? And we worked it out. Like I let him go. I trained the others. And then I spoke to this a young person after. But for me personally, I, I just, I don't know what it was. There was a drive internally that sort of came out and I wanted to be, you know, the best that I could be. So, you know, be it whether it was doing the, let's, my first session, I remember karate standing out in the rain or, and that's how we were training or getting kicked in the leg. That was your conditioning. You know, and that was the very first early part of my training. And you just went, oh, my God, what was that? But I don't know, something pulls you back. Well, it did for me. Well, how So I guess you, it's got to, you've got to find in that person. How did you find martial arts, by the way? Um, well, funny story, nothing to do with anything, to, nothing to do with mental health or anything like that. Um, when I grew up, growing up in the country, there was a 15-year-old boy that I liked, or 16, and my brother actually used to train in the martial arts and he said to me, oh, guess who's training there? And that's where it sort of started. And then, you know, I became better at it uh, and then started training little ones. So I guess I have him to thank, which I've put in my book, you know, for at the end of the book to say thank you. I did put the name, of course. Uh, but yeah, so it kind of started from there. 
And then something drew me back probably a decade later because I stopped for a little bit and then started playing soccer when I got to the city and then started again at 25. But something drew me to go back. It's always about love in the end, isn't it? Isn't it, Charles? I didn't get the boy, of course, but that's okay. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously not meant to be. It's really um, exciting and I'm so glad that... uh, that you could benefit and you're helping others benefit so much from martial arts as an opportunity to help people tap into neuroplasticity, really activate their body and their brain and, and receive so much good positive neurochemicals, really. And it's so wonderful that you're doing that. So I really appreciate it. So let's talk a little bit about how you think we could start changing the conversation in society. Um, towards this concept of brain health and fitness away from mental health and illness and start to think about how, you know, we can do that using all sorts of different um, strategies? Well, I think, number one, it probably starts from home, Um, you know, from home, from school, implementing, you know, these sorts of things in schools to really emphasise how important um, physical activity is. If you don't mind, I could tell a quick story about when I tried to um, um, bring it into schools in, I think it was about 2006, I actually had this idea of the martial arts in schools. And I even had a letter from a psychologist to say, you know, this sort of stuff will help. But unfortunately, I was discouraged to say that it will only bring on violence, which, as we all know through the research, is just not true. It would actually increase confidence, performance, discipline, all those things that, you know, martial arts is about. So I think. A, it starts at school, and once the kids are young and old enough to go to school, then then from school, and probably through in the media, because a lot of the time through the media, we're only getting what, you know, they want to tell us versus things that people should actually know, yeah. especially about mental health and physical activity and how the two combined, you know, can really help an individual. So have you have you kind of rethought about how you could re-enter schools now with more we have more scientific evidence than 2006 and more understanding, yeah. I think, maybe what I've seen over time, especially back in 2006, um, what we knew about the brain has really significantly changed in the last 14 years compared to there. So maybe there's a new opportunity to open up that conversation in a new way. Oh, absolutely. And, and in doing what I'm doing through LinkedIn, I've made so many connections. And I actually had a conversation earlier today with someone who's doing, going to help me do the exact same thing, you know, start getting into schools and start pushing this whole physical activity and not necessarily the martial arts, but obviously I am a bit biased, but, but incorporating these things. I mean, I have done some sessions through the years that I've been here because I've only been in Melbourne since 2016, where I did actually go to a couple of schools and, you know, did some talks and implemented some martial arts training for a few weeks, but it wasn't really taken on. So I think the research, especially in schools and bringing in people to talk about it will make a huge difference. Yeah. and I, Just the I, education in itself, sorry. Yeah, absolutely. So um, then let's just lastly touch on, obviously, this is what you've achieved for yourself and well done. That's so, so great. Um, but obviously, you're, you, you, it's not over, is it? It's something that you have implemented. It's a lifestyle change, isn't it? It's not something that you now stop and you're all done. So oh, absolutely not. Absolutely not. I, I train with a trainer well, when we're not on lockdown um, twice a week. And he's a boxing trainer and we do, that's my therapy. I can't, you know, lucky I'm disciplined enough that I can, you know, go outside on my balcony and do my own training when I'm not training with him. 
But that is my therapy. And no, I mean, I'm looking to fight in the next three years when I turn 50. So it'll be a, a few years in between fights, but I just want to, you know, jump in the Masters and just do something for myself self as well to show that this is something that, that needs to keep going. I want to hit the whole of Australia with this. So this is, this is not ending anytime soon. And I think that Melbourne has the record of having the most world record of having the most lockdowns. So um, I think for people to survive that over such a long period of time, coming out of it's going to be quite challenging. And I think Australia is probably going to face quite, although we know we've got a mental health crisis, I think this is going to be enduring for the next decade um, because we do very little to teach people how to maintain their brain health. And I think COVID-19 has amplified that. So I'm really grateful that um, you have developed this therapy for people. Um, and I think martial arts is one of the strongest um, activities that I know about in terms of being able to uh, really train the prefrontal cortex, that part of the brain that kind of goes offline when we're under stress. And it really is quite a disciplined set of physical activity um, that can really help. And especially, I'm so grateful that you're doing it for kids ages and especially boys six to 15 they're often lost in the mix now with a big focus and refocus around women and which is welcome but at the same time we want to keep doing it together don't we male and female together so in closing is there anything you'd like to say to the audience well number one i want to thank you for having me on your show number two Try not to be too discouraged. I mean, I, I speak on behalf of our Bernians because of our lockdown and really focus on your mental health. And if you have, you know, no idea what you can do about it, you can start with something basic like, you know, mindfulness exercises, meditation exercises. But I talk all about that and have a lot of information on my website, which is www.fellowactivetherapy.com. And there's a few blogs on there. And I just talk basically about things that you can do. And even for myself, currently, I'm, you know, I stretch every day. That's a good way to sort of get yourself ready. Um, like I said, the mindfulness, meditation, breathing especially is a good way to sort of help yourself. Even if you don't want to get into the physical activities of things, I think starting basic is a good way to begin. Wow. So that's what I'd like to share. Great. Thank you. And thank you so much for joining us today. We're really grateful for everything you've done, one, for yourself, and two, that you're doing for our future generations in Australia. So we need everything at the moment to make sure that we have the best possible society going forward. So thank you. No, and thank you very much for the opportunity to get the word out and just spread the word about martial arts and um, therapy and how they can work close together and the the results that we can get are really positive so thanks very much you're welcome thank you